Wow. How's this one waiting already? How do you know this was here? Was it me? <laughs> is it another random person or is it me? All right, let's uh, let's tweet it and mastodon it and do everything that is necessary to make it go live. And then we'll just see what happens. It is, I think it's a Friday. It's been a weird week <laughs> because I've been uh, not really working. I've very, very much been on holidays in a very, very remote part of the country as well, which I'm going to talk about in a moment because it was just like totally amazing. George is here. G'day, George. Someone's turned up. <laughs> that is good. New timeout links. You can now put people in timeout for different lengths, ranging from 10 seconds to 24 hours. Uh, okay, cool, fine. Maybe that will be useful. Would make it more interesting. Anyway, so it it is a little bit of a, a very impromptu random one today because I have been away, I've been traveling, and I honestly have, have been more tuned out of all the work things since, I'm not even sure what day, I think it was Monday, <laughs> I think it was Monday I went away, been more tuned out than I have been for a very, very long time. Joel's here. G'day, Joel. John, Froggy UK. There you go. Rob, sorry, can't watch. Out drinking <laughs> in Brisbane. America's, well, thank you anyway for breaking your drinking to join my drinking. It's, uh, ooh. It is Christmas. It's okay. All righty. Let me do the formal bits, and then I'm going to jump into the, <laughs> the much more random bit. I really want to talk about this holiday the last few days because it's just been amazing. Formal bits, let's do the sponsor bit. Last, well, second last sponsor announcement for the year, last sponsor announcement for Australia this year. We'll get back to that in a moment. Unpatched devices, keep you up at night. Collide can put your entire fleet, get your entire fleet updated in days. It's Device Trust with Okta. Watch the demo. Collide has been a massive sponsor this year. Uh, you will see a lot more of them in 2024 as well. Uh, a, a huge thank you to them for their support over the course of 2023. Go and check the demo out. You will see the challenges of implementing device trust with Okta, how Collide integrates with Okta to keep untrusted devices from accessing your company's apps, how end user remediates removes the IT bottleneck that often derails zero trust initiative. It is an amazing time that stuff like this has become so much more valuable than ever before. And uh, I still, I was going to say I pinch myself, but it almost sounds like it, it's a, it's a too good to be true scenario, and that's I don't think that's really the way you want to look at it. But you sort of every day you're like, holy cow! Like this thing has happened now as well. I did not expect it. So there is a massive marketplace for the likes of what Collide does. So again, final final Aussie big thanks to them for 2023. Brendan's here. Here I was thinking about being unhealthy again and heading out to McDonald's. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, don't do that. Don't, don't eat McDonald's, man. Seriously, do do better. I'll tell you what I'm cooking in a moment. That'll be a good, a good segue. Joe, Joe's in the UK. What's it like in the UK? Ah, kidding. I know what it's like. It's cold. Hmm. Let me talk about this week. So, I did share some tweets. Um, not a whole lot. I feel like it's it was just one of those holidays where I wanted to tune out a little bit more, but. We have uh, we've had two of Charlotte's very very good friends from Norway visiting, and it's this is kind of what we wanted to start doing when she moved here almost four years ago now. But as you will all recall, some things did derail the international travel in early 2020. But we're now sort of getting to do the things that we really wanted to do. 
So she's had one friend out here who was here for a wedding and has been to Australia a couple of times before, knows what it's like. Uh, another friend, also very well travelled, never been to Australia before. And they've come out here and we've just gone, all right, well, let's let's just show you the best bits. And I, I noticed even this week, apparently, Queensland, our state of Queensland, which if you're watching from foreign places and you're like, well, what is this place like? You know how Americans are like, Texas is really, really, really big. It's twice the size of Texas and it's our second largest state. It's a massive, massive state that's mostly like awesome beaches and rainforests and things like that. So we decided to take them up to what we used to call Fraser Island. We now use the original name of Gari. It is about three and a half hours north of here. You drive up there, you hire some shitty beat up four wheel drive because you're going to drive on the beach for days. Which is what we did. So you get this, we had a, like an old land cruiser that had seen better times, but it was fine because you pick it up and you drive onto the beach and you get on a ferry and you go over to the island and then it's just like beach and inland tracks. And it's, it's just a super, super cool experience. It's actually the third time I've been over there. Uh, I went over there once, oh, must've been 16, 17 years ago, and the, and I remember going over there, I think, in 1998, just to date myself. Still the same, right? It's a massive national park. It is the world's largest sand island. So everything is obviously a sand base, but there's a lot of, you know, massive trees and amazing rainforests and things like that. But you go over there and you're just like, you're barreling down the beach. It's still considered a road. There's an 80k an hour speed limit, which you definitely don't want to do over a lot of it because there's all these washouts, right? There's all these creeks that run down from the mountains and you're cruising along and it's like, oh, that looks a bit glassy along there. And it's a drop like that, which is fine if you go over it slow, but you barrel into that, it's a different story. Uh, and then you've got to time everything with the tides because when the tides come up a few hours either side of the tide, you can't drive on a lot of the beach so you can get stuck in places. And then you go inland, speed limit, 30 kilometers an hour, and it's just all sand tracks. Uh, and of course, every now and then someone's bogged somewhere as well. We, we did thankfully manage to avoid getting bogged anyway. And you're sort of, you know, trying to figure out how do you get around people like stuck in the middle of the track. Uh, and it's just, uh, it, it is a very, very sort of, I, I guess, remote experience. Most of the time you don't have any cell signal or anything like that, which is actually pretty cool. Uh, if I'm honest, cause, and, and this is partly why I just didn't think about a lot of the cyber things this week. And then there are a few things that are like the, the key things you do when you go to this island. And one of them, and this is my tweet stream, uh, is called Lake Mackenzie. And it's like, it, it's a lake, it's inland, it's fresh water, but it's, it looks like the most amazing tropical island you can find. It's like perfectly white sand and clear blue water. But you go sort of you know, five, 10 meters out and it just drops off <laughs> into a black abyss. Uh, which is super, super amazing. And it's, it's funny because most of the time now when we're in the water, it's like we're in salt water. So we're in there swimming in this, this fresh water going, what do I keep sinking? Oh, yeah, this is no salt. That was amazing. Went up, uh, what's today? I'm losing track. Probably two days ago. You know when you're on holidays and it all becomes a blur? Is it Tuesday or Wednesday? I don't know. Sometime recently, <laughs> we went and... Uh, they have these champagne pools and they call them champagne pools because they're these, these like natural rock pools. And then when the waves wash in there and everything kind of frosts up, look like champagne. And you just go there and there's like, there were two people there when we got there and then they left. And you just, you have the entire place to yourself in this most beautiful natural place. 
And, and then we went to a creek where there were a lot of people. <laughs> it's a creek called Elo Creek. And you go up there and we had some pool noodles and you lay on the pool noodles and you just, you just float down the creek until you get to the ocean. And it was just, it was just spectacular. I was, uh, I was so happy with it. If you haven't been to Australia before, honestly, it's, it is just exception without parallel. And I've been to a lot of nice places before. Don't, don't get me wrong, but to go somewhere where it's, it feels unadulted and it feels empty and it just feels entirely natural is, is spectacular. So as my, uh, Aussie tourist ambassador responsibility. Yeah, come to Australia. It's awesome. Ooh. Now, I've got something here. Um, <laughs> Joe says, damp and cold relative to the other side of the world. So imagine what it's like. What is it at the moment in Oslo? I'm about to find out because I am heading back there very, very shortly. I'm going to tell you about my travel plans in just a moment. Uh, go to the weather app. Um we look forward to the next week. It's a uh, low of minus 11. It's actually not too bad. Lots of snow coming. We won't be there for another couple of weeks, though, so it's probably going to be colder by then because January does tend to get a bit colder in Norway. Okay, so speaking of which, upcoming things. So we are heading back to Europe uh, very early next week, day after Christmas. We're going back to Paris now, I haven't been to Paris since I was young. <laughs> um, I, th I, think I, was, I think I was 14 or 15 when I went to Paris. But we, we basically sort of spoke to the kids and we, you know, like, where do you want to go? Like, we, we're going to go back to Europe. We need to spend time in Oslo because of family and everything. Where do you want to go? And the kids were like, we want to go to Paris and we want to go to Italy. So we're going to go to Paris. We will be there with Scott Helm, who has not joined in today. I don't know where Scott is. Scott Hellman family. So when I do this a week from today, I will be doing it with Scott as well, uh, which will be good fun. Heading to Venice after that. I've not been to Venice yet, so that'll be new. And then heading to Rome because the kids want to see the Colosseum and the Vatican. So uh, we'll be doing that. And then heading off to Oslo and actually having a couple of weeks in Oslo just to feel a little bit more like we're in the, I don't know, like the Norwegian groove uh, and, and doing all the things there. We will be with Scott for a significant portion of that. Also in Oslo, we have NDC security. So one of the main reasons we're going to be there is to go and do an NDC security keynote, which I really should prepare. Uh, I think after I do the keynote, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a secret about how I come up with this keynote. But we'll, we'll see how it goes. And then if it's awesome, I'll be able to go, well, it's a funny story about how that originated. Stratus, g'day, Troy. So my family just left Sydney on a cruise ship to New Zealand for two weeks. I think everything down here is really nice this time of year. So, so that's that's great. Joe says, uh, sadly, I'm not going to make it to NDC Security. Is there any way you can be persuaded to head over to NDC London and forget about the rest of the trip? No, there's not. Do you have any other questions, Joe? <laughs> the main reason I, I can't be persuaded is the kids have got to get back to school. And particularly Ari at, at 14 is just at an age now where it's hard to skip school. Now, interestingly, I know from Scott, that if you're in the UK, apparently it's like if you take kids out of school, you get fined or something like that. Uh, the way it works here, if you want to take your kids out of school, is you say, I'm taking my kids out of school. And that's it. <laughs> I, I assume if you do it too much, like if they're just gone for, I don't know, some significant period, it doesn't work out real well. But for short periods, it's fine. Uh, regardless, we do want the guy to be able to get some good grades, uh, and he, he needs to he needs to pay attention. So we do have to come back. 
we will be back in Oslo for NDC Oslo in June. So, Joe, if you've been to NDC London, which is nice, come to Oslo because it is so much nicer. <laughs> it's like it's, it is the, the big event. Uh, and that will be a very, very important event for me. That will be the 10th year since I first went to NDC Oslo where for, for me so much of, of everything that I do today began. Uh, we'll be there with Al, I think I mentioned previously. We're going to do a, a 3D printing talk, which would be cool. My parents are going to be there. It'd be the first time they've ever seen me do a talk, which would be pretty wild to do a keynote in front of thousands of people and, and have mum and dad there too. So I better, uh, better practice that one. Okay, so um, that's what's coming up. Uh, a few other things. You know, I'll do this in reverse order. <laughs> Equipment. I, sort of, I, was, I was scratching for things this week because, as I mentioned, I did kind of tune out for a little bit there. I actually think I actually tweeted about these. Now, if you've not seen this before, what I'm handing, handing, holding in my hand is an Automate, a Pulse Automate, Automate Pulse 2. Now, I spoke about these several years ago when we were doing some work in the house and we got new curtains and we got motors in the curtains and the, the motors have a little remote control. Fantastic in the master bedroom because you wake up first thing in the morning and you're like, all right, it's time to get up and you just press a button and the curtains open and the sunlight washes in and it's, it's a lovely way to start the day. And because I IoT all the things, I was like, well, I'll just get the hubs as well. And it will be the same experience because all they're doing is just talking to the motors except the hubs are terrible in every possible way. And what I'm about to tell you, and the reason I have it in my hand, is the stupidest thing we've seen for a long time. What makes them terrible? I'm glad you asked. So the remote control, we have this one here, this motor here. We've got two motors in the master because there's like a shorter curtain and a longer curtain, and then Ari's got a motor, and then Al's got a motor, and there's, you know, I guess, what's that make it? Uh, five motors. And you can use that remote from anywhere in the house and the signal reaches wherever the motor is. These ones, unless they are within a really, really short, as in, oh, well, we're probably two meters from the motor at the moment, unless they're really, really short proximity, they just don't work. And the solution from the vendor was buy more hubs. <laughs> so we ended up with one remote control that easily does every single thing yet three hubs to do the five motors. And even then, they were so laggy. They're obviously cloud dependent. There's no local control. There's a whole ethos of I'd like to keep everything internal without dependency on the internet and other people being able to see when I open and close my curtains. So it was super, super messy. And uh, what ended up happening is, <laughs> to be honest, I just didn't use it. Like I walk over there when I need to close the curtain because I... Put it this way, my arm is reaching halfway there, right? Like I can I can make the effort, go over there, tug the curtain, the thing automatically closes after you tug it. And then when we're in the master, of course, we've got the remote control. So we just didn't use it. And then uh, a couple of weeks ago, I got an email. And the email said something to the effect of, all of your hubs got like a bad firmware update. In order to fix it, you need to send the hubs in the mail back to us. 
Now, when I say the mail, it's like you need an envelope and you need to go to your local post office and you put it in there. And I did this with the three hubs that we have and they all came back today. And I've been unwrapping them and plugging them back in and they're still shit. <laughs> they might have updated the firmware, but they didn't update the radios. I'll tell you that much. Uh, just this is everything that is wrong with IoT. Some of the comments here. Joe says, I'll try and persuade the finance department to let me go. Not sure if I'll be able to use a credit card or whether I'll need some corporate due diligence to be able to approve the spend. Well, let me know, Joe, if I can give you any help with that. Uh, and if you do come, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go and have a beer because that's that, that will be a good effort if you can overcome that. Um, NDC London. So I, I must have done about three or four NDC Londons. And I used to do it when they were out in the Excel Center and then when they were, uh, they were near... Uh, near Big Ben. I forget the name of the center. I think it's the one that they're still at. But, um, you know, it, it, it's a conference center and it's it, it's a good conference, but it's a conference center. When you go to Oslo, they have the Oslo Spectrum and the Oslo Spectrum is where they have rock concerts and football matches and things like this. And it's a massive arena. So imagine, like you've probably all been in an arena. They've got seats all the way around, thousands and thousands of seats and something in the middle. And what they do is they take all of those seats and then they put a great big curtain from the roof down to the bottom of the seats. And then you go around and you almost break it up into like pieces of pie. So you end up with, I don't know, like nine different tracks or something. I think they run at the same time. And as a presenter, you end up like, depending on the room you get, my favorite room, is <laughs> you're suspended from the ceiling on a platform and you're looking up and the seats go, so you're going to think you can fit probably 400 people into this one particular room. The seats just go up into the abyss. And you can't even see the people because they're all in the dark and the spotlights are on you. And it is freaking amazing. And then the keynote stage, which is really awesome, which is what I'm very much looking forward to this year, is right in the middle. Uh, so you're out of these rooms and you're in the middle and you end up with thousands of people standing 360 degrees around you while you're there on the keynote stage. And it's just made it's a totally different experience. Um, you will get to spend so much more. I'm trying to give you the business case now. You get to spend so much more time with the people that are going to be valuable for whatever it is you do. Now, trust me, it's good. You'll get. Um, a Pony Misk says, hey, mate, uh, Lake McKenzie at dawn is truly awesome. Can you hear thoughts about Dreamwall? And unrelated, the Ortex panels. Uh, we didn't get to Lake Mackenzie at dawn. We did go pretty early. I mean, early enough that we got down there and there were half a dozen people there. Um, we, I think what we, no, that was because of the tides. The day I went to the Champagne Pools, actually, we got up at like 5 a.m. and just said, all right, straight in the car and go. Uh, Lake Mackenzie, we did a little bit later, but it, look, it was still epic, but I can imagine at dawn it would be amazing. What I found this time, which I had not seen on any of the previous trips, is Sunset Beach. So we're staying at Kingfisher Bay. And when you're over there on that sort of northwestern side of the island and you get to see the sun set across the water, which normally for us on the eastern side of Australia we don't get to see, that was truly spectacular. And I, I tweeted some photos. Uh, one in particular was like a silhouette of Charlotte holding a wine glass that is Definitely being printed and going up on the wall. It was amazing. So look back through my, my tweet thread for that. Uh, now, you've said um, the dream wall. So my ubiquity fairy, as I call him, <laughs> did send me a dream wall. 
So in fact, I have a dream wall literally sitting over there, which unfortunately I haven't been able to use. And, and the main reason I haven't been able to use is that as we we're rebuilding the garage, we literally built out a cabinet or, or, or cupboard rather for a, a standard size rack that's, I don't know how high is it? Let's call it 130 centimeters high to go in and it has my UDMP in there and it has rack mounted switches. It has all rack mounted things like the garage is built to have a rack slide into it. And the value proposition of the dream wall is that it can just go on a wall and you don't need a rack. And I, I racked my brain, so I did that, over and over and over again, trying to figure out how I could make the dream wall work because I really like that TFT display. Uh, and then I was even thinking I was going to spray paint the whole thing black as well, and uh, other than the TFT display. And it would look awesome. It would fit in the garage so cool. And I just couldn't find a use case for it. So unfortunately, I'm, I'm sitting on a spare dream wall that I need to repurpose at the moment. Ortex. Um, <sighs> So Ortex, for those not, not, not having seen the discussion beforehand, from this wall in front of me up into the ceiling, I have these acoustic panels. And they look super cool. Like we found a pattern that we wanted. We got them made. We, uh, we have close neighbors who are the owners of Ortex, and it kind of made sense to do that. It was a lot of mucking around to get it right. It looks awesome. Um, I, I don't know what, <laughs> what more I can give you. It it sounds good. So yeah, I'm I'm happy with it, but it was more pain than what I thought it was going to be to get it right. Oh. Also, did you find a Davis weather station pool temp sensor? No. So the last things I did with the Davis weather uh, station is I did the UV sensor and I did the uh, solar radiation sensor, and I'm actually super super happy with those. And it's the most geeky thing, but it's so I can pull out my iPad and go, oh, it looks cloudy today when I'm not even here. Because we're on Fraser Island, like, I'm not missing much, it's cloudy. And you can see on a clear day when a particular solar radiation just has a very linear curve up versus jaggedy like this, because clouds keep coming and going between the sun and the weather station. The thing that I really wanted to do with it, which I'm now totally happy about, which is working really, really well, is... Uh, trigger automations based on sunlight so today what i want is i want to not notice that something is needed it just happens so previously i'd look around and go the house needs light and it's not 45 minutes before sunset yet so they haven't come on but there's clouds and now like today i just went oh the house has light <laughs> like that's nice it had come on automatically based on the amount of solar radiation so Big thumbs up. I really, really like that Davis Weather Station. It's been absolutely rock solid. I love the fact that it's just, it's literally an API running off something that runs locally. It's a JSON feed that I can consume into Home Assistant. Um, the other day, uh, I did a Ubiquity update that, again, killed the connection to my switch because the SFP cable I have, for some reason, doesn't like Ubiquity updates. Couldn't access anything else because most things are plugged into the switch. And I got home and I'm looking at Home Assistant. I'm like, why do I still have all of this weather history for when the connection between the UDMP and the switch was out? So, oh yeah, because everything's local. And so long as Home Assistant is on the same switch as the weather station, which it is, it still gets the data. So, still very happy about that. <laughs> Stratus says Troy House, Troy's house is more machine than house now. Mike, QE2 Center. 
is the one by Big Ben. Yes, I do recall that now. And I can picture it so clearly in my mind as well. Not been to NC London, but been to another event there. Main problem I found is noise being leaked across tracks. Wow, I can't even type today. <laughs> Excuse the typos. That's fine. Doesn't matter. Um, yeah, so, it's, and, and look, I mean, NDC London has always been a good event. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I will probably do more of them in, in the future. I think the kids will eventually become self-sufficient and we'll just come and go wherever he wants anyway. So that would be fine. Um, but again, like, I, I feel like I'm really, really pitching NDC. I was like, but before I went there, and I, this is going to be like a bit of a cornerstone of my talk. I want to do something very reflective. Uh, in the years before I got invited to go there, <laughs> and then eventually just married one of the organisers and got done with it, um, <laughs> in the years before I went there, I'd keep hearing, particularly on .NET Rocks, and Carl and Richard would talk about this, you know, this amazing stadium and there's so many people there and this, you know, this amazing food and venues and everything. It is still to this day, unlike any other conference I've been to anywhere. So, NDC London is the one. Other equipment. Now, you may recall uh, for the 10th anniversary of Have I Been Pwned, anniversary birthday, birthday of Have I Been Pwned a couple of weeks ago, Charlotte and I did a live stream. We had some microphone issues, mostly because the microphone that Charlotte had was just a bit crap. So today I had a whole bunch of things ready for me on my return home, which I've just started to play with. And the first one is I got two of these Rode lav mics, but they call it like the lav mic two. And it's a, it's a much more solid lav mic than the previous ones. Uh, so I've had a couple of the Rode lav mics that I'd used on the, uh, on the iPhone which, uh, you know, they're kind of neat because you can clip them in here. I wear black. They disappear. It's fine. Uh, so they're pretty good. Fairly shortish cable, though. Like that is the, if I fold it in half, I want to say that's going to be maybe 80 centimeters, 90 centimeters. I don't know. So I got two of those. And I got a 3.5 mil jack to USB-C for the iPhone. And the first thing I thought I'd try today is plug the lav mic into here and then here into the iPhone and it doesn't work <laughs> and I'm not entirely sure why it doesn't work because I used to be able to do the same thing with my previous iPhone that still had lightning and of course now they're USB-C so I don't I don't know what the problem is maybe this is meant to just do headphones somewhere in the rubbish bin where I threw out like all the boxes and crap that stuff came in the answer may exist at the bottom of the bin so how's that? The other one I got that did work and then didn't work <laughs> is this Rode, I guess it's like a splitter, where you can have two lav mics going into here and then USB-C into your iPhone. And my thinking was, I'll get this and then when I'm away and Scott and I do a bunch of these videos together, it's like I've got two lav mics, I'll go into here, I'll go into the iPhone, I'll leave this camera at home because it's a bulky unit and then I don't have to take the uh, Elgato um, cam link either. And then I don't have to take the whole audio mixer. I don't know, I can't remember that it was H8. What was it? It's downstairs. Anyway, I won't need that. I'll just use this, straighten the iPhone, put the iPhone on the tripod, job done. And the first demo I did with one of the lav mics into the 3.5mm jack, beautiful, no problems. 
plugged in the second one, I've never been able to make it work again. I did spend a grand total of about 10 minutes on it today, but for some reason, it wasn't working. Now, um, it did recognize it. So the iPhone recognized this as a Rode device when I plugged it in, and I do have the Rode app, which it seemed to connect to, but a bit flaky. Uh, what I will say, for those lav mics, they come in little cases now, which is much better than they had before, because they just had like a little pouch, and things that get into your bag and get a little bit squished. So I've got two of these now. That's good. The other thing I bought that does work well is this, I think they call it, is it a video caster? Video mic. Now I've had several of these before that were uh, lightning adapters. But of course now you can't have a lightning to plug into your iPhone 15 and assumably newer. You got a USB-C. And the reason I had several is I bought one and I just had so much hissing out of it. And I had a whole thread about it at the time, which I think I might have to go back to soon. And it just seemed to be entirely problematic. And I tweeted about it. So Rode sent me this and they sent me a little uh, a little sort of selfie light and a little tripod. They just sent me a whole bunch of stuff. And I ended up with two of them. And then they both worked fine. And I left one in a hotel room and then I had one. And now that one doesn't work because it's got a lightning connector. But... The value proposition of this is it just goes straight into the bottom of your phone and it's a great shotgun mic. So this does successfully work. So at the moment, <laughs> when I do this one week from now, Scott and I are both going to be looking at this, talking to this thing because it's the only thing that actually seems reliable. It's actually kind of... The only complaint I have with these is you have to remove the case from the iPhone. Speaking of cases... I now have a grams case on my iPhone. Now, I, I tweeted this some weeks ago, but Apple has apparently decided it's not good to make cases out of cows. So where I always bought leather cases before, you can't buy them anymore. And they've got these other recycled, bottled, manufactured ones, which is great in theory, except both mine and Charlotte's started delaminating I want to say maybe six weeks after we got them. They looked like absolute rubbish. So I ended up buying a leather case from Grams. They'll even put your monogram in there. Got a little TH on the back. So if Charlotte gets one, at least we can roughly figure out <laughs> whose phone is whose. Uh, but it's a very nice unit from Grams. I don't know why there's a number on the bottom. Charlotte got that and she said, well, she picked it up. She unwrapped it for me. She said, look, why do they put that number on there? So, ah, but it feels nice. It's actually a really nice feeling case. Uh, comments. <laughs> Mike, Oslo is just a long way. Though I guess I can't complain. Really, Aren't you in the UK? Jeez, Mike, it's like it's one hop. It's just two hours. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you about a long way. Um, first, we've got to get to the airport. And then you've got to get there early enough. So we leave about three and a half hours before departure for an international flight. And then you fly 14 hours to Dubai, and then you spend two and a half hours in the airport in Dubai, and then you fly another seven hours to Oslo, and after that it's easy. But you're basically burning like a day just traveling. As opposed to London, it's like you just wander down to Heathrow, you get on the plane, there's BA flights all day, either that or you get a Norwegian or an SAS, and you just jump straight over to Oslo, no problems, and then you get that good train. So, uh, no, <laughs> it's not a long way, it's easy. 
Joe says you're definitely selling NDC Oslo. Well, they should give you commission. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? I'll have to find the corporate policy on overseas travel and see if I'm allowed to go. Um, what's not knowing exactly where you are, Joe, um, <laughs> and you're laughing now because you said, wander down to Heathrow. Have you seen traffic on British roads? Yes, I have many, many, many times, including a year of living in London as well. So I feel like I have, I have seen sufficient uh, to have an opinion on it. But uh, we think we've found, particularly for folks, if you don't necessarily live in London, by the time you travel to London and then you have accommodation and everything, uh, from memory, it was not dissimilar price-wise to just go to NDC Oslo. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's a good thing. Uh, it's over two hours to Fraser. Yeah, that's a good point. It's three and a half hours. Well, it was three and a half hours driving to Fraser. When we do that, I think it was Monday. I'm not sure. <laughs> I lost track. And then you get the car, and then you wait for the ferry, and then it was about two hours something. So I spent about three times as long as what Joe needs to take to travel to Oslo just to drive to an island in my own state. So, you know, how's that for context? Right, other things this week. Um, I had a journalist contact me today, and they said, could you talk about the St. Vincent de Paul's breach? Uh, and I said, yes, I can. And then I went and tried to figure out what the St. Vincent de Paul's breach was. So I have started tweeting about this. This is, um, I, I get, I'm not sure if it's a ransomware incident or not, but here's the, the story. So uh, for folks from other parts of the world, St. Vincent's Health. I probably should stop saying St. Vincent de Paul's because I think they're different things. St. Vincent's Health. Australia's largest Catholic not-for-profit health and aged care organisation, founded by the Sisters of Charity in 1857, likes can be bookmarks. Anywho, like other than that, they are, I think every time we hear St Vincent's in Australia, we have an immediate connection to, I don't know, like a, a charity or a wellbeing thing or... Or not the people you want to screw with with a data breach because that would be mean. Uh, so St. Vincent's is the nation's largest not-for-profit health and aged care provider. They say they have sustained a cyber attack and hackers have stolen data from its network with the hospital and aged care provider urgently investigating the incident. Now, this is serious enough that we also have our cyber command in Australia, the National Cybersecurity Coordinator, tweeting about this as well, saying the national... Officer of Cybersecurity and I are working with St. Vincent's Health Australia, which is the victim of cyber incident impacting their networks and data. We really don't know much more yet. That's one of these really early ones. I have not seen any mention from anyone about uh, shakedowns from ransomware crews, which very often post this data or post the countdown to their, their websites quite quickly after these things. Uh, they might be trying to negotiate. They might be trying to wait. I don't know. I've not seen anything on the other popular channels where this stuff sort of appears. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But it's just, it's a little bit like, I'm sure if I scroll back a little bit, there's a, a, a tweet I shared about some other cancer institute somewhere being targeted by ransomware. And when that wasn't successful, like targeting the individuals who are retrieving the treatment as well, which is, it is absolutely unfathomable. But here we are. 
This seems to be the new norm. Uh, as I spin back through my tweets, some lovely beach shots, some lovely Charlotte shots. <laughs> like that, that was our, our week. Um, cyber things, MongoDB, that was an interesting one, actually. When was that? Five days ago. MongoDB is investigating a security incident involving unauthorized access to certain MongoDB corporate systems. This includes exposure of customer account metadata and contact information. And then in bold, at this time, we are not aware of any exposure to the data that customers store in MongoDB Atlas. Hmm. So I guess that's good. We detect suspicious activity on Wednesday, December 13. Um, it's, it's really not much more. And unless I missed it whilst I was avoiding dingoes, don't talk to the dingoes, don't feed the dingoes, don't pat the dingoes, don't look at the dingoes sideways, definitely don't run from the dingoes. <laughs> Just Google Fraser Island dingoes. Um, unless I missed it then, there has not been much more. But, okay, it's, that is a big name. Um... What was this one? This was hilarious. So 404 Media, which is staffed by the likes of Joseph Cox, who is an absolutely top-notch InfoSec journalist. I think Joseph does a really great job. Has a story here about an organization that was doing shady marketing. I know, it's hard to believe, right? Shady marketing. And... Like the the headline here is that for years and years and years, there's been all these claims that the likes of Facebook can listen to the microphone, via the microphone, on your mobile device, and can hear what you're saying, and then can discern things from that and target your ads and all sort of thing. And it's come up time and time again, and every time it's been debunked. Like we've never seen a solid, yes, Facebook or others, we're listening to the microphone on your phone and we're able to tailor things to you. And then we've got then we've got this story from Joseph. And uh, what he's kind of said here, see the way he phrased it here. I think it's part of a thread. Uh-huh. He's all right, this is a bit I was looking for. He says, for years, huge part of the public has believed that phones slash speakers are listening in to target ads. No evidence that was the case was more a sign of how powerful other tracking was. Now it might be a reality in some cases. And the wild thing about this is that this organization was claiming to sell a product that did just that. Uh, And then, of course, they've massively, massively backpedaled. So I don't want to find... I'm going to go back to the thread because maybe you're listening to this in the car like in a few days from now, and I publish the podcast as well. Joseph's thread here says, uh, a marketing company claims it actually is listening to people through smartphone, smart TV, microphone, smart TV as well, microphones to hear what people are saying and target ads. Now, this company is called Cox Media, and it's called Active Listening. And when I first read the headline, I was like, and it like, I've spoken to Joseph many, like he's a solid journo, but there was a little bit of me which was like, ah, oh, maybe it's being blown out of proportion. <laughs> and then it's like, nah, no, nah, no, nah, I think he's actually accurate. So, 
here's the uh, the marketing material from Cox Media. This is the headline. All right. Did they never think this would be bad? The headline is, it's true, your devices are listening to you. With active listening, CMG can now use voice data to target your advertising to the exact people you're looking for. And it's, it's almost like someone just walking in going, like, here's the bloody knife. Yes, I did kill my wife, or <laughs> like whoever it was. It is the smoking gun of doing exactly what people were worried about. Here's the next slide. This is the pitch deck. Imagine this. What could it do for your business if you are able to target potential clients or customers who are using terms like this in their day-to-day conversation? I'm going to give you six terms. Every one of these terms has got a tick next to it, so you know it's good. Now, <laughs> I'm going to paraphrase here. So this is people having a conversation. So imagine these people are having a conversation, and you, as an advertiser, could listen to that conversation and then target them ads. Here's the, the conversations they're having. The car lease ends in a month. We need a plan. Yeah, that's a couple are at home. They're talking about their car lease. The phone listens to them talking about the car lease. And then people selling like leasing plans are all like, wow, we managed to listen to your conversation while you're at, laying in bed at night talking about the things that are on your mind before you go to sleep. And we can hear that. And we're going to give you, it's unfathomable. Next point, a minivan would be perfect for us. Imagine you could hear that. Do I see mold on the ceiling? We need to get serious about planning for retirement. The AC is on its last leg. Oh, shit, that's my place. <laughs> that's, that's literally what we were saying the other day. We need a better mortgage rate. Like there is... You, you just can't... No one made a mistake here. You know what I mean? Like this... This is very, very explicitly saying that this organization has the technology to listen to things that people are saying in private and then pitch to them. Now, I'd love to know how they do that because we all know how many warnings you get, like on an iPhone, for example, about would you like to grant this app access to your microphone and everything. And normally it's explicit. And then your little microphone, like, I'd love to know how they're actually doing this. But it was so crystal clear that this was their MO, to listen to people's conversations. Now, the backpedaling is rather popcorn-worthy. CMG said in a statement that CMG Local Solutions markets a wide range of advertising tools. Like other advertising companies, it's not just us, it's shit, it's everyone. Some of those tools include third-party vendor products powered by data sets sourced from users by various social media and other applications, then packaged and sold to data services. I think what's, what's kind of wild about this is that obviously in their pitch deck, they're pimping the whole we can listen to conversations. And then they get to this and like, well, look, there's a whole bunch of data comes from all sorts of different places, as like many other companies. Advertising data based on voice and other data is collected by these platforms and devices, and here's the kicker. Under the terms and conditions provided by those apps and accepted by their users and can then be sold to third-party companies and converted into anonymized information for advertisers. 
So you know how every time before you sign up for anything, you read the terms and conditions? Apparently, some of those terms and conditions say this app will listen to you surreptitiously and sell your data. And you're like, yeah, that seems fine because you're a normal person, just like me. I don't read the terms and conditions. It's so rare. I had someone send me a question about our own terms and conditions for Have I Been Pwned the other day? And I was like, oh, shit, I better actually read those. I kid, <laughs> I've well and truly read them. I have the lawyer's bill for preparing them. We've gone through them so many times. I was just surprised that someone actually read them and had a genuine question. This anonymized data then is resold by numerous advertising companies. Saying your businesses do not listen to any conversations. But they, they just said they have other partners who listen to the conversation and then they buy the data. But they don't listen to the conversation, so it's fine. Do not listen to any conversations or have access to anything beyond a third-party aggregated, anonymized, and fully encrypted data set that can be used for ad placement. So after they perv any private conversations, they encrypt it. Like that's, that's the takeaway from this. We regret any confusion and we're committed to ensuring our marketing is clear and transparent. But even that's like, they didn't say we regret listening on your private conversations. We're like, we regret you're confused that you agreed to the terms and conditions and now you're wondering why we're listening to your private conversations. It's shady, shady as, wow. Let's go to the comments. <laughs> um, I'm trying to piece together this thread because I spoke about multiple things then. Uh, uh, Null Division here is saying not the Atlas, uh, this would be uh, like back to Mongo, not the Atlas service database itself is obviously yeah, something else. So Null Division said probably the company customers DB was like, that is what it sounds like. I agree with you there. Um, Eponymesque, don't leave your pack outside the dingo cage. Yeah. So there's like a, a serious side to it. And we only saw two dingoes actually, which kind of surprised me. Because depending on where you are in the world, you get all these warning signs. We're in Thailand in the middle of the year, so be careful of the monkeys. Freaking monkeys everywhere. We must have seen hundreds and hundreds of monkeys while we're there. And here it's like there's signs about dingoes everywhere. Two dingoes we saw. Um, one of them was literally having a swim in the ocean, <laughs> and then he saw us and he just kind of wandered up, and, and that was it. So there have been a number of cases lately where people have been attacked by dingoes. They're not freaking household pets. It's not a Labrador. It's like you don't go up to the dingo and give it a pat or rub its belly or anything like that. They're wild animals. And where people seem to get in trouble is they leave uh, food out. So maybe they're having a barbecue or something and they, you know, they go for a swim and they leave the food out. And, of course, the dog comes down and wants to eat the food. Um, one that I hadn't thought of myself until I heard the story, uh, a lady got attacked recently because she went out for a run. So she's gone out for a run on her own. And the dog's like, oh, cool. It's like someone to play with or eat or something. And then she's run into the ocean to try and escape. And, of course, the dingoes love the ocean. So there's all these signs around. It's like, carry a dingo stick. It's like, if you're going to go for a hike, you need a dingo stick. <laughs> it did sound kind of funny. But no. So uh, Stratus says, don't leave your baby with a dingo. I think just Google that. We might park that one right there. Um. 
Null division. Probably LLMs like ChatGPT will soon be able to tell you don't sign the EULA, it is shit. You know what? I bet you if an LLM came back and said don't sign it, it's shit, and someone was like, but I really want to... What's a good example here? Um, well, this is the thing. Because we don't really know the nature of the apps that were listening to your voice in order for them to then be sold for an advertising network. I really wanted to play that snake game and the LLM said it was shit, but dude, it's snake. <laughs> What's not to love? I think that for the most part, people are very nonchalant about this sort of thing. That's, that's my theory. Trady Trev, all my laptops are so rooted. If you're overseas, Google that. Watching you on my Raspberry Pi 4. So poor this Christmas. Wow. And as Trady Trev says, don't pat the dingoes. He definitely knows what he's doing here. So yeah, don't pat the dingoes. Don't look at the dingoes sideways. Don't negotiate with the dingoes. Definitely don't negotiate. All right, folks, I think I'm going to wrap it up there. I mentioned before I was cooking. I have, what have I got? 13 minutes until the, uh, the chicken with the 40 cloves of garlic is done. Fun story to leave you on. There is a thread about this. It must have been... Somewhere between two and three years ago, I bought uh, a one of those Dutch ovens, one of those really kind of heavy cast iron-based pots, uh, and I put out a tweet and I said, who's got a good recipe for this? And I had so many amazing responses to it, uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of things where every time I looked at it, it's like every one of these looks amazing. And every time I made any of these recipes that looked great, they just came out spectacular. So we started calling it the magic pot. So everything we make in this pot is like magic. It just comes out so great. And one of them was a chicken with 40 cloves of garlic. And it's super easy to make. You need a chicken. <laughs> you need 40 cloves of garlic. And there's some eschalots and there's some uh, vermouth and some chicken stock and some thyme and some salt and pepper and some butter and some oil. And that's about it. And then you chuck it in the oven for an hour and a quarter, which I did about an hour ago. And it just comes out epic. And it's a very sort of French-style meal. So then we do like a nice sauce with it. And, uh, and it goes nice with a nice, nice glass of Chardonnay or Chablis, which is <laughs> why, why I was given this as I was cooking the chicken. Mm. So anyway, on that note, on that very French note, let me leave it here. And the next time I come to you will be from Paris uh, in a week from now with Scott Helm as well, uh, probably with a different glass of Chablis. Uh, enjoying ourselves in a much more colder part of the world. So thank you very much for watching and, and for joining in throughout the course of this year. We'll do something that will be sort of the ultimate ending for 2023 next week. Cheers, folks. See you later.